Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is Stan Saverin. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Uh, fine. Are we on? No, we're just kidding with you. <laughs> how you doing? Hey, not bad. First off, love this show. Thanks. Okay, champ, uh, this may sound like a real basic and simple question, but why is Muhammad Ali the most popular and recognized athlete in the world? Well, because the name Mohammed is the most common name in the world. It's very simple. For all of my fans in America who follow boxing, and plus all the people in the world, like India, Pakistan, who don't follow boxing, but they know I'm a Muslim, they know my name's Mohammed, so this is what makes me so popular. You got a tough act to follow. How you doing? You guys need tickets? No, we've got, uh, assuming that we didn't offend anyone, uh, we'll be back in the press box. Cheap seats. Cheap seats? You don't get any cheaper than that. What do y'all think is going to happen to our team next year? I just don't see well, get in line next we, we've only got an hour left in the show. Do we want to take a break? <laughs> That's what I like about Val. It's your show. Uh, it's, it's our show? I've always believed that my first responsibility was to the listener and the viewer. Not the ball clubs, not the owners of the stations, not the management of the stations, which does explain my checkered past. Sorry, that's the way I feel about it. My basic responsibility is to be honest and forthright and accurate and true and credible. And that is for the listener and the viewer. And that will have to be how it's going to have to be. And uh, that was the, uh, the tribute that, uh, good. that iHeart uh, Radio, which of course was Stan's uh, employer, put together uh, in these very airwaves that you're uh, hearing us on here. Um, it's good to hear them. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll hear them plenty <laughs> going forward. Yeah, especially yeah. In these next I mean, I'm days. sure there's some, still some shows in the loop that, uh, you know, we did. Uh, he, Mike Pursuta, and myself did uh, – did some shows. I think I Labs did one with us as well. Looking back at the previous decades of Steelers uh, I remember stuff, you said that, yeah. um, that was good stuff uh, to sit down for an hour with Stan and remember the '70s or remember mm-hmm. the '80s and those kind of things that was were fun. Remembering the '90s, um, those were those were fun shows to do, and uh, Stan made them fun. Yeah, yeah, he made everything fun. I liked his final words there on that tribute about how you know my. It's not to the owners or the station managers. I mean, my job is for the fans and the listeners, you know, and yeah. they did that better than anybody. Better than anybody for sure. Uh, speaking of which, we were talking about, Matt, uh, previous yeah, to yeah. the break, uh, guys who do it better than anybody else ever at certain positions. This uh, going leading into the Bill Barnwell article here. And he talked about, uh, we, we talked about quarterback, we talked about wide receiver, we talked about tight end and guard. And we through running back that he didn't and yeah. in the equation a little bit as well, but I don't see any contender right now for the running back. Nor do I see any contender at offensive tackle. No. That's a tough position, too. There's so many all-time greats that guys don't come in the league and dominate like that yeah. anymore. You know, um, I think center is one that Steeler fans are kind of uh, maybe I think, spoiled. 
well, would be a good way to put incredibly, it. Incredibly, yeah. You know. Because, I mean, if you look at, I think there are four or five, maybe five or six centers in the National Football Hall of Fame, and th- two of them happen to be Steelers. Right. I mean, if Marquise Pouncey's your third best center in history, it's <laughs> pretty strong. He's going to be on the ballot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'm obviously a little biased, but I think Dirt would be my, I my think number Jermani's one center. my guy, too, and I know there was a, a piece that came out I mean, like, uh, a couple Wolf years, might be offended couple if years I said ago, that or, and, you know, and, but. and Mike Webster mm-hmm. uh, was was in consideration. I think I don't think I don't think he won it though either. Maybe he did. Either way, I don't think there's a. But a I, slam I think dunk, Dawson was. But, right. I think Dawson to me was. He was my pick. No offense to to Webby. And, no, but, or Jim Otto or right. White Stevenson or guys, yeah. you know, Kelsey. I think's in the equation now too. I mean, yeah. maybe if you were to do a, a current guy, Kelsey could be in that equation. Uh, but we're looking at edge rusher here. And the greatest of all time is Lawrence Taylor. Good. Okay, I'm glad yeah. he three-time defensive that. player of the yes. year, NFL MVP, eight-time first-team All-Pro. Um, just I mean, dominant. he's the best defensive player I've ever dominant. seen. Dominant. Yeah. Uh, he has the active player who could become that mm-hmm. guy. He leads it with Micah Parsons. Okay. Two years in. I mean, that's a little rich. Yeah. You know, he had Justin Jefferson as the receiver too. I mean. To, to get to Jerry Rice, Lawrence Taylor levels, you almost have to blow the doors off the league from day one, which Micah and Justin Jefferson have done. But that's a so much projection to say that you're going to yeah. end up being the best defensive player that ever lived. Uh, 33 career games. And I, I think you have to look beyond the sacks as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just uh, at, That's what I was going to say about Taylor. Is I'm not sure anyone changed the game as much as yeah. him, let alone you know the stats. Yeah, I mean, he was just a dominant, dominant player who – no matter what, you had to well, I mean, account for not if he was even thinking about playing in the game. Mm-hmm. Like he could be hurt, and I guarantee you, teams spent time during that. Week, oh, we don't think we don't think LT is going to play. I mean, he's but good, if he does, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, he's as good a pass rusher that's really ever lived, and not an advantage he had. But there weren't guys standing up on the edge at that point, you yeah. know. So people would try to initially in his career block him with tight ends and running backs, and he destroyed them. And then none of the tackles could get their hands on him. Then they're doing with all three. And then all of a sudden guys like Carl Banks are stepping up and, you know, the ripple effect. And I, I urge people, not that this isn't a Lawrence Taylor, you know, conversation, because there's plenty of Steelers we could talk about too, but there's several great long montages on YouTube. Just Lawrence Taylor playing the run. Yeah. Oh, tremendous. I mean, if you ran away from him, he's tomahawking it from behind and stacking it right at him. I mean, he's tenacious. Yeah, very much so. Um, so the point is that's huge shoes, obviously. Parsons, 26 and a half sacks in his first two seasons. Only place him eighth on, the, on the list of for sacks in their first two seasons. Mm, okay. Uh, behind Alden Smith, Reggie White, Von Miller, Derek Thomas, and Sean Merriman. So, okay. Reggie White, Derek Thomas, Von Miller, really all great players. White was going to be my number two in this conversation. Yeah, all great players. Alden Smith, Sean Merriman. Eh, they didn't last. They didn't last. They didn't That's last. the thing. You got to you got to be able to do it over yeah. a, a length of a career. They had some injuries and in off the field with Alden. You know. Uh, so that he says, chances that Parsons will end his career as better being considered better than LT is three percent. He has another guy on the list here. I say I think there's several you could there's actually several. bring up. And his next guy on here is Nick Bosa. He said mm-hmm. T.J. Watt bar- nar- narrowly missed out after tearing his pectoral muscle last year as a 28-year-old. Yeah. Um, 
Bosa has 43 sacks over his first four seasons. But he missed a full year almost. He too. missed. Right, yeah, right, he right. missed they, they both I mean, missed to a me, substantial year. And we've, we've gone over this with Watt before. Um, the numbers that he has put up over the course of his first six seasons now. Are the best of anyone active. Yeah. I mean, they really they just are. And it's not even close. I mean, especially if you do per snap or per pass rush opportunity if you really want to nerd out. Like, Miles Garrett's tremendous, but he never drops into coverage. You know right. what I mean? And Watt doesn't play as many snaps as Garrett and still is more productive. You know I mean? So if you break it down to the lowest common denominator, Watt has been the best edge player during his time in the league. Yeah. Or at least the last yeah. five, ten years, you know. I mean, even if, that's including his rookie season where he was a part-time player. Mm-hmm. Right, he, right. And only had seven sacks. I mean, if you if you take that one out of the equation, that that next those next four years were um, out of this world. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting his book is already written, but Big Brother's in this conversation <laughs> too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you call him an edge or a D tackle or just a D lineman what or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but he's an all-time great. Yeah, which takes us to defensive tackle. Okay, I'm glad we're going here. And he says the current greatest all time, greatest of all time at, at defensive tackle, is Aaron Donald. See, I agree. I think he's I don't already know if there. I can say he's the greatest of all time because there I, have been some ridiculous players at defensive tackle. I don't want to sound biased, but up till about two, three years ago, I would have said it was Joe Green. I, I think he's number one. I mean, Bob Lilly has a ridiculous resume oh, yeah. too. I so mean, that's what we, I'm we saying. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna say the greatest of all time, the, yeah. the guys who played. Alan Page. Yeah, back yeah, right, in, right, right. You know, in the 60s and 70s and even the 50s. Mm-hmm. Don't get the consideration because there's recency bias. There is, and I'm very guilty of that as well. And a lot of these, I mean, I don't talk about autogram and Unite yeah. I mean, most of it's Super Bowl or newer. But Like if you ask Bob Labriola, who we had on in the previous segment, who the greatest quarterback is of all time, he, there's a good chance he's going to tell you Johnny Unitas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a very, very strong case for yeah. it as well. I thought it was Joe Green pre-Aaron Donald. I do agree with Bill, though, that Donald has surpassed him. Uh, I mean, I think he's as dominant a player since LT. And he has uh, – there's a reasonable arguments for other legends on the interior. Bob Lilly, mm, Randy White, uh, who Craig yeah. Wolfley will tell you was was a monster. Crazy story. I mean, he was a linebacker. I mean, he's yeah. very undersized. Yeah. People to give Donald a hard time. Joe Green mentioned uh, Merlin Olsen. Okay. 14 Pro Bowls in 15 years for Merlin Olsen. Yeah, he's a massive, I mean, uh, massive People think too. of him, you know, oh, this guy from Little House in the Prairie. Mm-hmm. No, that was a guy who destroyed <laughs> right, right, people right. on the football field. I mean, he's slightly before my time, but, I mean, I don't think he gets the credit 14 Pro Bowls in 15 right, years. Right, right, right. The longevity every year is the same, right. Yeah. Um, I, I do give Mean Joe a little extra credit, though, for transforming an entire organization. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff beyond the field, I think, has some weight here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chances that Donald will end his career as the greatest of all time, 100%. <laughs> if you have him one now, already, right, yeah, right, If right. you get him one now, uh, he would have to seriously fall off for that not to happen. I don't know how many defensive MVPs he has, but he has I three. think it's more than any other D-tackle. Uh, well, what do you consider Watt? Because Watt won yeah, three. Yeah, he won three as well. Yeah. Okay. I consider Watt a defensive tackle. I do too. Yeah. I mean, I almost think he's equal. He, he spent a lot of time outside the tackles. He's not built like some of these guys, but he could do all of it. Had he come here in the draft, which was the same draft that produced Cam Hayward, he'd be a three-four. He would have been a three-four defensive end slash defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, he would not have been a stand-up guy here. The kicker, real quick. I do think Watt and Donald. 
maybe Reggie are the best defensive players since Taylor. I mean, you can make an argument for the Woodsons and Dion's and Lot and some I of the Junior defensive Seau's back. I think Junior in that conversation as I well. I don't put him that high. I think Junior Seau yeah, was really good. He was certainly a massive impact player, splash guy. Yeah. Ray, um, Ray Lewis is a case. I mean, if you're just talking about off-the-ball guys. Kicker, the current. See, I think this one's done time. already, too. Here's Adam Vinatieri. Oh, you know how ouch. I feel about that. Ouch. I no, mean, I think the, the GOAT is down the uh, is in the division. Yeah. Career lead, he, he had picked Vinatieri because he's the career leader in playoff field goals, or career leader in field goals, and his playoff heroics. It is not heroic for a kicker to walk onto the field and make a 40-yard field goal. His in kick in the snow in the tuck game is great. Great for him. That was great one. for him. But drilling a 40-yarder in the dome for the Colts is your job. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know expected. I mean? You know, you should do that. You should make 95% of those. Uh, Tucker hitting a 66-yarder to win the game yes. is a little different to me. Than, much, than, much, right. much different. I'll be honest. I mean, we talked about Rice and then the conversation at receiver is who's number two. There's no conversation with who number one is. I think the gap from Tucker to two is as big at kicker as it is a wide receiver. And, and we say that, and... He's a weapon. I mean, if you look at the kickers in the league right now, um, I know he had a down year last year, but Chris so, Boswell isn't far off. No, he's not. And, and kicking the bar has gone up the dramatically. The bar has gone up right, right, right. ridiculous. Like, I mean, we, we talked about it before, and we talked about Vinatieri, where he rates in terms of the career percent, career made percentage. Mm-hmm. And he's at like 83% or something like that. Yeah. That doesn't even get you in the top 10 anymore. No, right. I mean, like some of the best kickers when I was a kid or starting to understand football, like Jan Stenerud's in the the Hall of Fame, Morton Anderson, Gary Anderson. And this is true, too. Like, no offense to Jack Ham, he would not be the best off-the-ball linebacker today. You know, I mean, guys like that. I mean, obviously the world changes. Players develop quickly. But even the numbers of kickers – of the all-time greats, me growing up, pale in comparison to Boswell, let yeah. alone Tucker. You know, what I mean, like they're yeah. just way better at putting it through the uprights now than ever. Yeah, and and I so, expect a big season, big bounce-back season from Boswell. I as have well. no concerns whatsoever. None whatsoever. None. Uh, chances of Tucker becoming the greatest of all time is thirty percent. I, I think it's a hundred. I think he might already yeah. be there. Yeah, I very yeah. much. Believe, I think if so. you're going to put Aaron Donald on that plateau, I think you take. Yeah, um, I mean, he's a, he changes games dramatically. The one, the one knock against him. Tucker has gone eleven for. He was four for four in field goals um, in the playoffs when the Ravens won the the. Uh, okay, I remember his playoff percentage isn't dominant. Since then, he's eleven for fifteen. Now we say that and that, that okay. included a one for three performance in tough wins and a loss to the Bills. That matters to See, me. See, that's what I was going to say, too, though. Like, because, again, as where you, is he playing in the playoffs? As you mentioned, Vinatieri's playing a lot of those games in a dome. I think he had more time with the Colts than the Patriots. Yes. I mean, yeah. he almost has two great careers. Yeah, but absolutely. It's a lot different in the dome. Morton Anderson versus Gary Anderson. Not even, yeah. It, it's, you know, yeah. with all respect to Morton, who's an all-time great, Gary had it tougher. Without a doubt. Right. And Tucker's had it tough. How many, how many of those games were in New England, in Baltimore, in Pittsburgh? In I'm, Buffalo, as he just right, said. Right, right, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm talking about you know, playoffs. Like you said, in, in, in Buffalo. Come on. Uh, kick returner, Cordero Patterson. Who's the GOAT, though? That's who he says, Cordero Patterson. Already is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because he's so active, I thought he was. Yeah. I guess. I mean, he has the record, and he's really good at this, it. This but. is kick-off returners. By yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. not punt returners. Uh, he says the previous uh, guys who had, he had been tied with nine kickoffs uh, that he had uh, 
or he became the leader with nine kickoff kick returns for touchdowns. He had been tied with Josh Cribbs and Leon Washington. Okay. Um, I wouldn't think that. of Leon Washington as an all-time great returner, but Cribbs yeah. was. Uh, Percy Harvin had five kick returns for touchdowns on just 152 returns. I mean, he's the that's best re- good. returner of yeah, all time. That's pretty if good. You, yeah. I, if you look I at Patterson, Patterson had, has 266 attempts. Okay. So almost double the amount, but not double, quite double the number. So, again, times have changed. I think it's harder to return one for a touchdown now than it was then because everyone blasted out of the end zone and, you know, they're kind of phasing kick returns out of the game. So I have no problem with Patterson. I mean, again, if we sat here with labs, he might be like, Billy White Shoes Johnson was unbelievable. Or, you know, (laughs) I remember Dante Hall as a kid. You know, it was just a remarkable you know, ball, ball in the hands guy. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty in the 70s, you know, that are just remarkable. But Patterson's got a really good case. Yeah. Uh, so his career, uh, chances he will end his career as the greatest of all time is 100%. That, to me, does not mean that he is a Hall of Famer, though. No. Like, Hester has a much better case to me. And, and I'm not sure he belongs. But I think if you're going to put a return guy in from the last 20, 30 years, it's Hester. It's not Patterson. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, we're going to take another break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to our live coverage here from the Steelers mini camp sessions. I got it right that time. Nice. Here at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex uh, on the south side. We're going to take a break where you're listening to us here on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN 970. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back. I'm Dale Alley. He is Matt Williamson. This is The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN 970. I'm just getting a little knowledge here. Um, something I did not know. We had a chance to talk to the uh, Steelers position coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, being the first time this offseason since the draft, basically. Okay. We get to talk to some of these guys at the draft. Uh, but I did not know this. Denzel Martin, who's the Steelers' new outside linebackers coach, he's been on staff for a couple of years. He was the, the defensive assistant for a few years. Uh, and is now their their outside linebackers coach. He was roommates with Marcus Golden. It's funny Missouri. how these things happen. You how know, about right, that? Right. How about that? Yep. Maybe you have a little inside knowledge on the player, or he's your buddy and texting him. And it's, it's, how about you come here? I could use a guy. Yeah, I'm a little short. <laughs> how, what, do you th- what do you say, bud? Come to Pittsburgh. You know, Not and, only that, this so, kind of stuff happens a lot. Grady Brown was a uh, graduate assistant. Grady being the Steelers' defensive backs coach, mm-hmm. he was a grad assistant at LSU ah, when Patrick Peterson was recruited. Okay, then there you have it. As so if there aren't they worked together there. And then Peterson had some connections. I think we were joking that yeah. he's the new Steeler recruiting coordinator, that he's bringing in guys. So it, it, that's what's funny about this business. I mean, coaches in particular, they all get fired. And, it, and I was told early, like, if you get fired – as long as you get rehired, well, you just expanded your web of friends right. and people you worked with dramatically. That was your you know, problem. Your web was small. Oh, I had one year of a web, and then <laughs> fortunately I went to the media and I was happy about it. Yeah. But, you know, now your yeah. media web is huge. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which My NFL doesn't one do was you not, quite as much good. No, not as much. Well, a little <laughs> bit. Just, you know, that just means you get know. phone calls to come on other people's shows all the time. Right, but if you be ever become a free agent, you know, I worked with him back in there you go. 2020. You know. It's all about the web. Absolutely. Yeah. But, no, in the NFL it's a, a tight-knit community somebody knows somebody that knows somebody right definitely a thing yeah so i just thought i thought saw that i was thought i would never know right yeah um wouldn't have put that so they were roommates roommates they they weren't like i was i was the ga then so denzel martin actually knows where the bodies are buried oh yeah i'm sure they have some (laughs) i'm sure they have dirt on one another right 
No, that's great. In fact, I went to your clean your socks up, dude. I went to your right, your birthday party over the weekend, and your college roommate was there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't last long. He he was he Blutarski did that year. Oh, so because he lived with you. Well, <laughs> I sh- shouldn't say this story, but I had a five or six man streak of knocking out roommates. <laughs> He was one of the last. Is that like, did they? Did you guys turn it into a ceremony, like dead man walking? It down was kind of like, okay, well, who's next? You know, <laughs> I was not easy to live with from a QPA standpoint. He told some stories about some things that you did, yeah, in college. That, and what worked out well for me, not for him, is after his zero point zero living with me. Not, I mean, just flat out gave up after a while. I got Mr. the room to my, Blue Tarski I got the has room, no grade point average. I got the room to myself for a whole term after Ooh, there that. There you go. Which is when I got chummy with my current wife, actually, was during that time. So it's oh. nice having a whole room to yourself at that stage. Absolutely. I've right? done that myself at times in college. It was So thanks for failing out, BA. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good seeing him over the weekend as well. <laughs> but we had a good time his and I was able to stay that that's that's half of it though, is I was able to survive. You know, I yeah. mean I'm knocking people out like it's an eliminator tournament in the You're NFL, like the Highlander. Right? There can only be one. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you're going to try to hang, not easy to hang. Not easy to hang with no, But the... I had a good record of knocking people out. <laughs> My first year in the fraternity house, there was three of us. Only one of us made it to the next term. Wow. So I knocked out two in the same two term. In the, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is impressive. That's a battle royal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had snakes, too. So did, did any of these people disappear? No, but I would let the pledges would sleep under my bed and. <laughs> I would let the snakes loose, and they would go looking for warmth, and they'd cuddle up with the pledges. So that was always a good move, too. They were friendly guys, though. I get the nice little chuckle. As long as you fed them from time to time. As long as you fed them, they were friendly. They were all right, yeah. Yeah. You you just have to like snakes. But (laughs) But we'd uh, leave the cage open those nights. Yeah. (laughs) My my six years at UPJ probably aren't the best radio for my reputation, so we probably should move on from that. Well, they didn't do much for my reputation either, but we both made it through. Yeah, to keep too many witnesses over the weekend, though, to, to tell you that it ends up on the air. We had a bunch of former UPJ people at that uh, event. Both, yeah, we did. Both we my did. wife and I, your former roommate, you yep. and your wife. A good friend of mine who's also dating another UPJ or my wife. And, yeah, and there's a couple that couldn't make it. So I, I didn't keep up with my UPJ. My sister's a UPJ. There you go. You oh, yeah, your yeah, sister yeah, was yep. there. Yep. I can't believe, that, you know, Pitt Johnson has not put us in their Sports Hall of Fame yet. We actually brought it up to a couple people. Like, how can Dale and I not be, at least have a show? Right. Yeah, right. we got to do a show out there. Yep. And Take actually, it on the road to, to, uh, to Johnstown. One of the young ladies that was there just graduated high school and was torn between Slippery Rock and UPJ. And oh, she said, should have gone to UPJ. She said it didn't has, and when they toured, they said it hasn't changed at all. Then they meant that in a negative way. So she went to the yeah. Rock. You know, I haven't been there. Nobody's invited me back. I spent some time at the Rock, dude. Not as a student, but hanging out. My yeah. best buddy went to the Rock. So freshman sophomore year, we did a lot of weekends, his place or my place, and got to know like his fraternity well, and you know, right. That's yeah. why you had no grade point average. It didn't help. <laughs> His fraternity house, holy smokes. I mean, it was he was a Lambda Chi, and it was off campus, and it was a total crap hole. Like, this isn't exaggerating. In the winters, the heat barely worked, so they would have parties to stay warm. <laughs> like, there's holes in the – like, there's wind going through the, the lobby. I mean, I've been in places like that, Awful. Yeah. I mean, he lived there year-round, too. Yeah, I, I can remember place. going to a place that had a, a hole in the middle of the living room. Yeah. That uh, you could see outside. Yeah, like, right, right, right. You know, and, yeah. and everybody just kind of walked around the big hole in the middle of the floor. And a lot of his fraternity brothers, too, were – 
outdoorsmen. Like it wasn't uncommon to pull up and there'd be a deer getting hung from the you know the front yard. You did would have appreciated too. it. Yeah, I did mean, that too. They had a bunch of yard and yeah. you know they, they were all fishing and hunting and blood and guts everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. Yeah, but that's uh, you know so when you look at that uh, that kind of attachment that you have to these guys, I mean I think that's you know and you add in the you know this team's history. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes it an attractive landing spot. Yeah, right, right, and, right. And I right. think, you know, that's one thing that Mike Tomlin has done here in recent years. His coaching staff has gotten a lot younger. Mm, I hadn't thought of that, but you're 100% right. And I think that probably pays off as long as they're qualified and not yeah, in, right. over their skis, of course. But, I mean, I just think communicating with today's athlete and understanding the young culture and I don't know. I, I find it funny that, like, people our age, and there's a, a big span can talk about the world pre-internet and post-internet but the older we get that that, that group's going to get slower and slower you yeah know, like, right i mean my son doesn't my, my kids don't understand the world of pre-cell phones let alone pre-internet you yeah know? nobody I mean, like this used to be the time of year matt and i'm sure you were probably the same way like, like 20 years ago i would be waiting for like street and smith's football edition oh. to come out or you know any oh it, yeah I, and i would buy like seven or eight different magazines yep Yep, you yep. know, just to, and a, a lot of them would have the same stuff in it, but I just wanted to read them all and read about each team. I read them cover to cover, and, you know, like Mel's book would come out for yeah. the draft, and I bought it every year. And you read, read it cover the, to cover. the whole thing. And there was a couple of draft magazines, and that was the only spot I could get draft stuff at all. Yeah. And what's funny is it seems so archaic now, but the Internet was very new, and there were like seven or eight draft websites out there. And I went to every one of them every day, and I put a document together of every scouting report, cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste. And then after a year, couple of years of doing it, I would have my dad go to work and he would print it off because it would be, honestly, yeah. hundreds of pages and kill tons <laughs> of trees. And I stuck it in the mail and sent the Steelers. And I forget who it was at the time, but they sent me, they called me back saying, wow, you did a lot of work here. I mean, looking at it now, you could do that in four seconds. Right. But it took me an hour a day every day. And their director of college scouting said, wow, you're really putting in the time and we're going to look through it and read it. I mean, maybe he didn't. I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> it was a massive un- undoing. And I would rank all the guys, too, who I liked, you know. But that yeah. was a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, and again, a lot of reading, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to catch up on things. And just, you know, that be, be pre-internet, pre, you know, all that stuff happening. I mean, you know, you had to, you had to read different newspapers. You had to. Yeah. You know, go out and check the stuff. USA Today was a big deal. It was a big deal. You know, because you've yeah. got news from every team. I can remember getting, like, the sporting news. Oh, sure. They and reading the snippets the and, you yeah, know, on each team and say, oh, right. hey, what's going on in the Chargers camp? I'm going to yeah. check in, check this out and see. So, we, I forget, my parents took us to Disney or, or whatever when we were kids. And I found this unbel- unbelievable <laughs> magazine at the Pittsburgh airport. Yeah. And I read that thing cover to cover over and over and over. And what I loved about it was it not only broke down every team, but every position group. Here's yeah. three paragraphs on the Chargers linebackers or O-linemen. And you couldn't find that stuff back then. And year after year, I forget, I should know what the publication was because I'd like to give them credit. We couldn't find it anywhere else. So my mom would take me to the airport. To find we, it. we weren't flying anywhere yeah. just to go to the bookstore and go get this <laughs> thing. You know? And I'd read it cover to cover. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different world, but now everything's out there. You can look at you can look at Twitter and find, and find out all the right. stuff you need to find out. Absolutely, absolutely. So back to having young. Or coaches. you can listen to this show. 
I mean, we sound so old. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if I'm trying to coach the Steelers outside linebackers and I'm talking about going to the airport to get a magazine, they're going to look at me like I've got four heads. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the things. So, Aaron Curry was talking about, you know, that kind of stuff today. Mm-hmm. And he has a unique perspective. His perspective is very similar to that of a Darius Hayward Bay. That's funny, yeah. High draft pick. A very high draft right, pick. Right. A top ten guy who it didn't work out for him. Didn't Injuries, live up to expectations. Little, little things, right, you know, right, whatever. Right. It's, he didn't draft himself. Sure. You know, but so he has that perspective. He has the perspective of then, you know, being released and going to a different team and, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to hold on, as, you know, at the end of your, you know, end of your career. I'm sure there was a lot of bad things written about him in newspapers yeah. and oh, stuff yeah. because you didn't live up to, you, you, you weren't the best the, linebacker in the league. Right. So you were a bust or, you know. Right. Um, you know, and then and now as a coach. And so, you know, he said he looks at things from all those perspectives. And I he's bet. able to offer that kind of, you know, that, that kind of view of, of, you know, playing the position, playing in the NFL. Yeah. And Hayward Bay is such a good example, too, because, Frankly, the Mel's and Todds at the time didn't think he should have been drafted as high as he was. And if it was everybody thought Aaron Curry was supposed to get everyone, but he yeah. was the safest guy in the draft. Yeah. That was he was like known for. But if it wasn't for a blazing forty time and Al Davis's love for that, Hayward Bay probably goes 10, 15 spots later. But to his credit, he lasted in the league a long, a long time. time. Yeah. Became a core special teamer. I'm sure he didn't do that at Maryland, right? He went to Maryland. Yeah, I think. yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure he didn't do it the first couple of years with the Raiders because he's going to be. Home run, deep threat, you know, 15 touchdown a year, run past everybody guy, you know, Cliff Branch. And to his credit, he ends up being a mentor here for a really young receiver room because he reinvented himself and he learned how to stay in the league. Yeah, it's all about that, you know, those perspectives. And I think, you know, the younger guys, to your point, I mean, they're younger to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about Grady Brown. I mean, you know, talking about a guy that's 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know. I mean, if you're an NFL assistant coach at that, you're ahead of the curve. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you're, you're doing well for yourself. But I do think there's something to be gained by getting some of these younger guys and even getting some of these younger guys out of the college ranks. I 100% to agree. To bring in different ideas and different thoughts. And, and not to things. mention, I mean, when – Coach Tomlin was the youngest head coach in the league for several years, right? Yeah. I mean, even not not even when he got hired. If you're going to have a super young, inexperienced head coach, surround well, him with veteran. Coaches. I want LeBeau. Yeah. I want the guys that've been around the block. Maybe a former head coach, you know, something like that. But when your head coach, I don't want to say he's old because he still isn't old by head coach standards, but he's experienced to say the least. Yeah. Now I want some new blood. You know, I don't need to go to a coordinator and be like, hey, I don't know how to be a head coach. Help me out. You yeah, know, right. Coach knows how to do that. I mean, think, so Grady Brown was talking about recruiting Minka Fitzpatrick at a high school. Wow. You know, so he, was, you know, he went to the parents' house. And he mm-hmm. was in South Carolina at the time. You know, they yeah. tried to get him to go to South Carolina. He well, was, he went to Bama instead, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was in his house. Yeah. I mean, like, like you're doing that recruiting right, right, trip. Right. And, and so you, you, you do have a different perspective. Even Matt Canada, though, you know, when you talk about him – Recruiting Kenny Pickett out of out of high school. Sure, when he was a Pitt, they at least right. knew each other before yeah. they were both hired, drafted by this team. You know, it right. just makes things interesting. You, you get a different perspective on the player, I think. Oh, without question, yeah. without, without question, there's no doubt about it. There is value to that. Yep, absolutely. And so. not to mention, I mean, just like any walk of life, and this isn't true for everyone, but you're young and hungry and an assistant coach, you might stay in the office an extra two hours and do something else, or take, you know, try to prove yourself, or you know, bring a, a hunger to it as. And I'm not saying coaches that have been around the block all do this, but it's easier to put it in neutral later in life. Or you know, I mean, yeah. it, 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 there's a hunger there. You're trying to. I mean, if I get fired, I may never get back in the league. You know, <laughs> that's one of the things. Uh, the reason I thought about this because you know Bob Labriola was asked again about 
He's, uh, he's Mike, young at heart. Yeah, but he was asked <laughs> about Mike Tomlin's coaching tree, which I think gets way too much. Mm, yeah, criticism. People, people put too much on the coaching trees. Yeah. To your point about Mike Tomlin, one of the reasons why he doesn't have a big, you know, coaching tree or, or what what have you. He had a bunch of older coaches when he started here. Right. You know, he was bringing in Richard Mann at the end of his career mm-hmm. because he wanted that veteran presence. You know, he, he kept Several of them, this LeBeau. was their last stop in their journey. Yeah, you know I mean? right, they right, were right, at they, the they end, or he talked them out of, they were thinking about retiring, and he talk, talked them out of retirement. Give me one more year. Yeah, no, really. give me a year or two, whatever you got here. James Daniels was here for several years, but he was, you know. So you're not going to have a coaching tree there. And, and to be quite frank, I mean, people, coaching trees – um, first of all, how many, how many, what percentage of head coaches do you think fail in the league? Most. Almost all of them get uh, fired at some point. Right, right, right. I mean, they almost all do at yeah. some point. But look Belichick at Belichick. Look at Belichick's coaching tree. It's not successful. It is. It's a, there's a lot of branches. Awful. I mean, Awful. a lot of branches, but it's not successful at to all. To me, I think, you know, the, the best coaching tree might be Marty Schottenheimer. I say Marty threw his son, you know, all the way down. You know, yeah. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got I was thinking Shanahan, yeah, you, right. you get, I mean, there's a lot of guys, you know, Herm Edwards, uh, um, you know. On uh, and on. Yeah, I mean. The, Actually, the Walsh trees are really, really strong, too. I mean, yeah. when you look at, like, Holmgren and the Grudens and some of those dudes. But by and large, guys, I mean, Shanahan. a lot of coaching trees just don't work. No. I'm not sure that's a great reflection of how good a coach yeah. you are either. Tony Dungy counts as, mm-hmm. as a Schottenheimer coaching tree. Yeah, I guess you would. Yeah, so there's there's a lot there. Mm-hmm, there is. Um, but yeah, I don't know that that matters that much in your legacy, to be honest with shouldn't. you. Shouldn't. I think it's nice, but I don't think that you have to have it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Because I, mean, I think Lombardi's it, coaching tree wasn't great. No. He was a great coach, but the coaching tree wasn't great. I, I mean, I, I think Tomlin's influence is massive. And I think, you know, back to our recruiting store, you know, guys come in, people want to play for him. You know, yeah. I think there's something to be said for that. I think people want to coach with him. People want to work with him, you know. Based on rep, even if they don't know him yet, you know, based on reputation. I mean, Pat, Patrick Peterson. I mean, in this league, somebody knows somebody that worked for Tom. You know, he's yeah. been around long enough. So I mean, you're you're one guy removed at most. And that was the first thing Patrick Peterson said with us in week one was, well, I wanted to play for Tomlin, and then, you know, I had a good opportunity here and blah, blah, blah. You know, but that was the first thing I was mouth from it, I remember. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to take another break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN 970. We are live from the Steelers minicamp here at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back. I'm Dale Ollie. He is Matt Williamson, and uh, this is The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN 970. We are live from the Steelers minicamp sessions here at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side where the Steelers are uh, wrapping up minicamp session number one here uh, pretty soon. Um, Coming on the home stretch here. Much yeah. like a, uh, a regular season schedule for these. Uh, basically mm-hmm. practicing from one to you know, it's 10 after 3, 3.15-ish, somewhere in that range. Uh, but Tomorrow's the same, right? Yeah, tomorrow's the same. We'll see what the weather holds in store for us there. But, uh, Matt, you sent me this uh, this list here of uh, something you guys did on your other podcast. Right. That I want to, you know, uh, the Peacock and Williamson podcast of an all-AFC North team. And I wanted to go over this. What we're doing is going division by division. And it's slow time, obviously, for yeah. content. So we're, we're putting together what's the best team to win with right now, division by division. And we finished the AFC yesterday. So it's kind of fun. You fight back and forth. And, you know, we're going to take this guy or this guy, you know. So AFC North was a good one, obviously. 
Yeah, I wanted to, to go through the uh, AFC North list here. At quarterback, you have Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, he Rich, edged out Lamar, but I mean, yeah. it was we didn't fight too much about it. It was a pretty easy one. Running back was Nick Chubb. Again, it's a good running back division. Yeah, but I was thought Chubb was clearly the guy, and he agreed. Who's number two? I think it's probably Najee. That's what I'm kind of leaning that way as well. I mean, I I would have said Mixon, but I thought he had a bad year. Yeah, like Dobbins coming out, but he's I'm encouraged by what Dobbins will do this year. Yeah. Like he'll be on some of my fantasy teams, but I would take Najee right now. Yeah. Now I'm with you. We have some rookies on these lists too. Like yeah. Will Anderson made it for the South. The South was terrible, by yeah. the way. Uh, wide receiver, you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, mm-hmm. well, along with Deontay Johnson. Yep, and we didn't – our 11th offensive player, more often than not, is going to be a receiver. But, like, in the south, we took Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry as opposed to Christian Kirk. You yeah. know, like, I mean, it's, yeah. so we'd prefer to have three receivers if there was two You're awesome You're painting your barn red with red paint. Yeah, we're building a super <laughs> team for this year. And Deontay beat out Odell and Pickett – or Pickens and – Amari. Amari Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the Which I think is fair. Yeah, and I, I felt strongly about it, and he didn't disagree with me. Yeah. Um, at tight end, Mark Andrews. That's an easy one. You know, with respect to Fryermuth and even the Joku, I mean, Fryer, you know, Andrews is going to be number one in probably seven out of eight divisions. Yeah. Uh, the offensive line. Not at, as good as you'd think. At left tackle, Orlando Brown. And I'm, I'm racking my brain here. I'm like, isn't there somebody better than Orlando Brown? And, and I don't think there is. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, Wills is okay. It should be, what's his face from the Ravens? It should be Stanley, but I can't go there. Yeah. You know? he, doesn't, he doesn't play football anymore. And I think Brown is the most overrated tackle in the league, but he was still number one. My, my, my co-host said, well, what about Broderick Jones? And I said, I would not trade Broderick Jones for – any tackle in the division, but I can't go try to win with him today. Yeah, over I mean, right now. I mean, I mean, we're him, talking about he has, right there's now. no body of work. Right, right, now. right, right. So we're talking about a guy with 19 career college starts. Right. So if the yeah. Bengals called and said, "Hey, you can have Orlando Brown for Jones," I'd say no. Right. But if I'm trying to win today, it's you know Brown reluctantly. The two guards, the two guys from Cleveland, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. Mm-hmm. Steelers have a strong case, though. They get a case. Yeah. I mean, something I said on the podcast was. Maybe the Browns are the only team in the league that I think have a better set of guards than the Steelers. I mean, they're certainly top two or three, and so it was tough leaving those guys off. They're quality players, but this is just the way that falls sometimes. At center, you have Tyler Linderbaum. I didn't like any of them. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so I kind of looked at it, and we agreed that he finished the season strong. You hope he's building on first-round momentum for next year, and the best is yet to come. So sometimes you had to do that with guys. I mean, there's only four centers to pick from. On defense, the edge he, guys are pretty good. The edge guys, T.J. Watt, and Miles Garrett. <laughs> I mean, we're leaving. I mean, that's Hendrick, as good as that's as good the best as any, in the league. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're any leaving Hendrickson off and yeah. guys like that that are quality players. So yeah. that was an easy one. Uh, a defensive tackle. This also ended up being easy. D.J. Reader from Cincinnati and Cam Hayward. It's not a great D tackle division. You know, the Ravens don't help the cause yeah, much. Yeah, they're, they're bad. Yeah, I mean, Tomlinson's a nice pickup for the Browns, but he's not at that level. I'm yeah. taking Reader over him a thousand times out of a thousand. Ogunjobi's not quite to that level. And um, the other Bengals are fine, but not great. Yeah, I mean, Cam's a top five guy. Reader's a top 10 to 12. 10 to like 12. That. Right, right, right. Range, so it's yeah. not shabby, yeah. but there wasn't a lot of competition there either. Uh, at off-ball linebacker, this is – There's one slam there's dunk. There's one slam dunk, and then and – then yeah. yeah, we had a little bit of conversation about that. Yeah, Roquan's a slam Smith dunk. And Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. I kind of gave way to Peacock on this one. My vote was for Logan Wilson 
I would have probably gone there too. Yeah, I thought Pratt had a case. Um, and, and the JOK thing was kind of the Linderbaum conversation of, boy, there's a ton of ability here. We hope he puts it together. But the, the body work isn't real strong. Yeah, I think I would have gone Wilson as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at cornerback, Denzel Ward and Marlon Humphrey. You'd wish they were both coming off better years, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't put Joey Porter Jr. there yet. You know, right. I mean, you hope he's in that conversation a year from now. You know, Newsom was not in consideration for me. I can't go Patrick Peterson at this stage of his career. So that wasn't a strong spot of the roster, even though those are well-known names. Yeah, your nickelback is uh, Chidobe Awuzie. Mm-hmm. And, again, um, I don't think that's super strong, but he's a good player. And then the safeties are strong. Strong. Make yeah, yeah. Fitzpatrick and Marcus Williams. Yeah, and we considered putting Kyle Hamilton as our fifth defensive back. But that's a bit of a projection, too, so yeah. I kind of push for a Wouzier, and I'd rather have a corner than a safety. But Williams and Minka is about as good a safety tandem as you're going to get. We did do, like I mentioned, we've gone through the AFC. We haven't, I haven't dug into the NFC yet, but the West had Derwin and Simmons from the from the Broncos. Yeah. That's probably about the only one that will be better or close. Or close, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Fitzpatrick and Williams, to me – they take the ball away a lot more. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's two ball hawks. I also think frees are harder to find. They're yeah. both frees, but it's not like Minka can't come down the box. Right. Or, you They're know, both guard capable. A, guard yeah. a tight end or even guard a slot. So, high-quality team. The Steelers aren't real well-represented compared to the others. They're like second in a lot of said They were runners-up time and time <laughs> again, though. You know, So, in terms of depth or those type of things, I we didn't look at this like who's the best teams. We're just doing it for fun, and then we're going to at the end we're going to show the eight teams and say which one do you want, you know. And I think you'd rather have. I mean, you know, you look at some of these, you know, like like the the Browns offensive line, they get a, a bunch there, and mm-hmm. some other spots. But who are the secondary guys on those teams? Sure, sure, you it's know? a much different conversation. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't even mean that this is the best division in the league. It's just you know, if you're putting a, a team together, if you had to field one. It was pretty interesting. You know, and, again, the South was bad. And yeah. If you go listen to the South one, it would be not very impressed. Yeah, absolutely. If they knew Trevor Lawrence, I mean, their quarterbacks would have been oof. shroud. Yeah. <laughs> right. The wide receivers aren't. Uh, meanwhile, the North's leaving Watson and yeah. know, Lamar off, you know. We're going to take another break. He All is right. Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We are live at the Steelers uh, minicamp session here at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. We'll be back with more uh, right after this on ESPN 970 and Steelers Nation Radio. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 